Welcome to this episode of the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that exclusively talks about India's space activities. Model rockets are a great way to learn about space flight. Model rockets help people of all ages understand some of the most important principles of space flight. In most of the advanced space-faring nations today, you will find an extremely mature model rocketry ecosystem which allows access to model rocketry to school children and people of all ages. Yet in India even though we've had a rocketry ecosystem that lasts for hundreds of years starting from Tipu Sultan we haven't had the opportunity to build and scale a model rocketry ecosystem that can inspire hands-on education to our young people. In this episode of the New Space India podcast I speak to Divyanshu who studied at the Indian Institute of Space Science and Technology a premier academic institution run by the Indian Space Research Organisation and eventually started his own company to make model rocketry accessible to everyone in india welcome to this episode of the new space india podcast yeah thank you narayan it's great to be here i usually listen to, so i don't really listen to podcasts a lot but i've been listening to the one that you've been doing it's it's been uh, very interesting rather it's uh, making me explore other podcasts as well so uh, it's been fun and uh, i feel that it's it's uh, it's fun to have uh, connect with a friend again and we've met after a long time they hoping towards a great conversation yeah thanks i've known you like for almost uh, the last 6 7 years and uh, you've done uh, quite a lot of things in the ecosystem already uh, so you know tell us a bit about what was the beginning you know how how did you get passionate about space uh, what got you hooked into it and how you entered the indian institute of space science and technology so um It's actually quite interesting. I always wanted to be uh, connected to space. Even as young as kindergarten, I wanted to be an astronaut. Uh, at that point of time, uh, I got glasses when I was in uh, very young. I was eight or nine years old. Uh, and at that point of time, I knew that if you have glasses, you cannot become an astronaut because only Air Force officers used to be astronauts. And Air Force, as everyone understands, is they have their own fitness tests for eyes and stuff. So uh that's where the sort of dream for rocket science began. Um obviously there were uh, always the questions of career and how it would work. Uh the first step seemed to try and get into a good engineering college IIT since I was in India. Luckily after giving my IIT JE actually after the results and everything I found out about this college called Indian Institute of Space Science and Technology. Researched a little bit more about it and uh, found out that there's no alumni up till now. Just let me interrupt you there. So yeah. how did you find out that that there was the so uh, uh I got my counseling brochure from IITs and they had a brochure of IST in that and they had given details that if you have qualified JE you can apply for IST as well. Okay. So that's how I sort of found out about it. I didn't know that the college existed before that. uh and that got me like super excited because i was trying to choose streams which were very very close to aerospace or aerospace if i could get it uh and my rank i wasn't sure that would happen uh and this opportunity really got me excited because on paper it seemed like i would get through and i would uh, i i so i wanted to check out the college and uh, there were lots of interesting things about ist at that point of time it's it's uh any student who's applying for IST now and what i applied to or or actually i would say the first two three batches up till say my batch maybe one batch after me we had a very very different experience when applying to IST so uh, there was no alumni there was no campus and uh, there was no fees and the people who were involved in the college at a very very day to day level were these um amazing high level isro scientists like bn suresh k nainan radhakrishnan even kalam sir for that matter used to sort of visit 
and uh, like that's the feedback i got from the students who were studying there who were uh, and uh, when we went for the counseling we also saw that the counseling was happening in a five star hotel because there was no campus and the other things were happening in actual isro campuses in vssc like they when they showed us the labs these were actual isro labs in vssc that the students were using at this point of time because there was no campus so it was a very very different experience and it was i think an opportunity that was open for a very very short period of time because now if you go to ist it's a full fledged college it's an academic institution and it's not really as integrated into isro as it was earlier it's an independent center of sorts now it is uh, it has its own labs it has its own faculty we, the teaching is not really being done by scientists anymore i wouldn't say that's a bad thing in terms of uh, an academic institution as an academic entity they are doing much better now and they're actually creating more value uh, especially over the last one and uh, one and a half two years they've started really getting into their groove so that that way i'm very happy for my alma mater but i would say that that those first years of ist they were they were a different experience and that that that's something that's locked in time so now you're in this environment with all the isro scientists and yeah. uh, many other potential future isro scientists together yeah. and so the dream was just that you study there and then get into isro or so uh, that came as a jarring shock actually after i got into the college so up till the point i i was uh, a student in school and uh, istro seemed very very exciting and it seemed something that i would love to do that's the full zeal that i had when i was joining up in the college but that dream or that sort of image for me personally was shattered very early in college i would say as early as first year itself where i at that point of time had itself had decided that i would not continue to work in isro i didn't feel that it was the kind of work environment that i was suited for uh that is not to demean their work in any way they are doing exemplary stuff and some amazing people are doing this stuff but it's not really what kind of i uh, not really the kind of environment that i thrive in i uh, it's it's highly bureaucratic uh, that like is any national space agency and uh, then uh, there are it's it's a slow work environment there's a lot of procedural uh, stuff involved decision making is by committee and not by merit even promotion is by age and sort of like you know you're not even eligible for an sd promotion as from an sc until you worked for four years yeah so, so this was like uh, you know after you've already entered isro no no, no 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 this was when i was in college i found out about all of this when okay. i was in college right okay so uh, all of these things sort of shattered my mindset in terms of i, I didn't really I, i wanted to work in a very very fast paced work environment that had been my problem throughout school as well where i don't really connect to so slow systems like i i i tend to be an outlier and uh so i've i've had my own uh, sort of rebel modes like i quit school in 11th class for a year mm-hmm. uh and i wasn't going to school i gave my boards in 12th class in open board because of that mm-hmm. uh i was suspended from every academic institution i was ever in <laughs> <laughs> I hope not from Isro. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, these from IST as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh I I don't really do well in systems. Um I uh, I need to sort of be moving at uh, my own sort of in my yeah, and I I sort of ha- as a child it's difficult to come to terms with that you really don't understand it. Uh but as I grew older and uh, I could sort of take more of my own decisions. Uh, I started understanding that this was not really the work environment that was suited for me even if I do get interesting work which in itself is very very rare I would not survive or thrive so that that way I had decided that I wouldn't really stay within Isro 
I didn't take my studies very seriously. Instead, I concentrated on doing other things in college. So I start. I ended up setting up the first MUN of Kerala State in at IIST. What is uh, that? The model United Nations that okay. happens. The, the, so the one that I set up was the first one in Kerala. Okay. And I set it up at IIST. It still still happens every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the first student who actually started building model rockets in college. I built about seventy-two of them. Or uh, no, I the first seventy-two of them failed. Uh, total, we built about say ninety, ninety-five. Some last seventeen, eighteen succeeded. Mm-hmm. So we could have achieved success earlier, uh, but there were a lot of things that everyone does that we didn't want to do. For example, everyone does sugar motors. We didn't want to do sugar motors. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone does PVC-based tubing for strength and whatever, but we didn't want to do that. We wanted to have lighter materials and stuff like that. So because of that, our success was sort of delayed. So when it comes to uh, you know your stint after IIST, yeah. So did you end up at an ISRO campus or? So uh, yeah, I was there at ISAC. I was there for about eleven months. Um, the first few months, I w- was most mostly getting to understand what is ha- happening and how it works. I was there at Spacecraft Mechanisms Group uh, in ISAC Bangalore, and our first four five months, I was just trying to understand what happens. And uh, people more senior than me, they used to sort of whenever they used to. Uh, uh, do the necessary simulations and stuff so in spacecraft mechanism group i was specifically working on the side of stimulation uh, simulation of hardware uh, where we were doing some fem analysis and all so the first few months i was just sort of studying how it works and what needs to be done i used to work on the codes bugs and stuff uh, mostly just make sure everything is running smoothly uh, in terms of an operational sense uh, for the computing the next few months i got a few design problems to tackle on uh, where i started doing the design for the deployment mechanism of the rover on the lander of the chandrayaan uh, the chandrayaan 2 lander yeah. uh, i am not aware if those designs were used or not because i obviously i'm mm-hmm. not there anymore and things i am fairly sure that things would have changed it was a very very basic top cut line design mm-hmm. uh, there was hardly even a complete level of material selection done we were not even sure what kind of cords we would be using there was there, there was a mechanism involved where uh, we needed a servo motor uh, for the deployment of the ramp uh, i think that that part is still there but at that point of time we had not decided uh, so we arrived on basic top line specifications so that's what i was sort of working on uh, for the next 3 4 months trying to understand what would be the best way to go about it what are the materials available what would be the constraints of the system and so on so just one small subsystem that i got to sort of study uh, i was very lucky that i got pure technical design work mm-hmm. uh, so like all my friends around me there were so many of them who were in divisions and departments where they did not get that kind of work like most people are qa and qc because that's something that's very important uh, they don't get design work they have to go through the same grind again and again whereas mm-hmm. design work is sort of interesting it's new and, and it's exciting yeah so that way those four months were a lot of fun mm-hmm. but as i said earlier it, it's not really the work environment for me mm-hmm. uh, which actually i realized even in those few months there Yeah so at uh, what point of time uh, did you think that I'll quit Isrona So I decided at college itself but mm-hmm. uh, after 11 months there there were two things that happened one is that uh, the one year mark to me seemed like a sort of a um, you know premonition or like a thing in itself I didn't want to get there apart from that uh, I was trying to do model rocketry as I told you earlier also and uh, uh, at that point of time I found out that 
uh, there's a possibility of finding a partner who would be willing to provide us his manufacturing facilities to do testing and uh, product development and so on and that was pivotal for us because that would provide us the first commercial place where we could sort of look at manufacturing these things and up till now model rocketry had just been a hobby and uh, I had not really explored how much of a business could it be. Uh, I had obviously tried to talk to a lot of people about it because it, I found it very, very fascinating. But this, this is the point I decided to go ahead and sort of make it happen. And uh, primary reason was that even at IST, I found it immensely, immensely difficult to build a model rocket. And I felt that what about that kid who wants to and who doesn't have access to what is IST? Uh, IST was superb in terms of providing me things that I needed. So that way, it seemed like a problem that was there. It seemed like a gap in our space education system as well. So we have a lot of awareness and outreach and education programs centered around astronomy and ast astrophysics. A lot of people doing telescope stuff, uh, night sky watching, a lot of uh, educational tourism around space where people are taken to NASA. They interact with the people who are doing stuff in space. Now, even ISRO has sort of started creating its own outreach. But there is absolutely zero model rocketry. Uh, even satellite side things are happening. But there's absolutely zero rocketry ecosystem in India. And as a country who's such a major space power, I, all, I thought that it was a gap. And at the, it's, it's much less visible six years now, six years after. But at that time, in 2014, it was a major gap. Nobody had even heard of model rockets and amateur rockets. There were less than 300 rockets flying across the country. And uh, it seemed like a gap that I wanted to change. So I quit and I started working on Rocketeers full time. And so when you quit, were you were alone or you had uh, some other people who wanted to... So the Rocketeers, uh, obviously, it started off... Uh, so I had uh, a friend who was uh, also my partner in my uh, endeavors during my college time. So we used to sort of do the project together. He was still working in ISRO. So I thought that he seemed like the right person to sort of start that with. But I was, obviously, I was a little, uh, I was a college student. I had just started working. I didn't understand entrepreneurship that much. And uh, friends may not be the best uh, co-founders every time. So I, I, I did start with him. Um, we tried to do some things over the next uh, eight months. Uh, eight months later, I sort of realized that things had not worked out uh, my part of job even though it was happening there was so I was supposed to do the sales and he was supposed to do the product development and the product development need to happen really really rapidly because if we don't have a model rocket that's reliable and safe and stuff like that then it's pointless then we are doing what is a Diwali rocket and it's it's not it's not I need every rocket to perform the same and so building five model rockets is one thing or ten model rockets is one thing they may perform the same they may fly straight they may be stable building ten thousand or one million or ten million of them completely other ball game especially on the fuel side replicating the fuel cartridge is very very difficult and he was sort of supposed to do that he didn't really fulfill his roles he didn't even quit his full-time job, whereas I had to do this. I was the one who was investing all the money as well at that point of time. So that sort of fell apart in about eight, nine months. Then it took me about two months to regroup. And that's when... So Akash had been helping us out in college and during this time as well. But he had never really been fully involved. And this is when Akash sort of fully came on board. And uh, sometime around November, December 2016, we sort of properly started it again. Um, that's when we registered properly 
and uh, akash started working on the product development and i again started working on the sales and and which center was akash in when you were here in bangalore the lpsc in trivandrum okay and so he then he moved or you moved there or? uh no so we both moved to bangalore yeah uh-huh. and we started doing this up till then i was also in ludhiana uh, where my parents live okay so uh that's how we sort of started it again and so for him also the risk was then worth it uh, the reward and he was also yeah so he was definitely very excited by the idea um and he found uh, that so i was very very passionate about doing this and uh, i was ready to bear the financial risk the other parts of it there are other lots of other risks as well uh, one puts their career on the line so those things he was sort of very very comfortable with and uh, not that he didn't want to put in money but then everyone does what they have is possible in their resources that way my parents have supported me immensely they they are the ones who were really backing my dream and luckily my college was on 100% scholarship <laughs> so uh also like i had a lot of scholarship years during school as well mm-hmm. so i saved a lot of education money so that helped yeah so that's how it sort of began again then you register rocketeers you start uh, yeah so we started doing rocketry again and the first thing that we did was we uh, set up a manufacturing facility in sivakasi mm-hmm. uh, we again had a new partner there things with the nagpur partner had fizzled out because we had not been able to perform we had not done anything there's only so much time that any partner sort of supports something without any results mm-hmm. right so we got in a new partner we started doing stuff in sivakasi uh, our first proper sales in 2016 started happening again around april may 2016 for the first at least 14 months we were we were sort of trying to just make things happen mm-hmm. there was no profit involved there was no so we didn't have a lot of money to do product development all our money was going into manufacturing uh and this was the time that i also sort of got into my groove as an entrepreneur where i had learned a lot of things over the last 2 3 years i had read up a lot i had read up all these books on entrepreneurship i had read up all kinds of resources off of wherever i could get my hands on and started understanding business and things more then sometime around april may 2017 uh, is where we arrived at a position where we had saved up some money from from all the sales that we had made all the uh, even after manufacturing all our overheads everything and we put poured that into product development stint for 3 months where both of us just got down into our manufacturing unit lab environment of sorts and we built our own manufacturing system for fuel cartridges explosive regulation is a major problem and it doesn't allow electric connections in explosives unit of a certain kind and that's the fuel that we're using black powder mm-hmm. so you're not allowed electric connections and uh, so that is why most of the black powder products that we see in our country they are handmade uh, human made uh, mm-hmm. there are obviously hazards safety measures that you can take uh, but at the same time it does put put human lives on risk which i think is an outdated system an outdated way to do things we could sort of move on from that but that's another discussion what we did was keeping these constraints in mind we developed a semi automated manufacturing system where uh, most of the things were hydraulic manually operated but the forces were measured the pressures were same the movements and the materials that are being used are measured and so so it became a proper system so every cartridge churning out of the machine became standardized uh and that's 
that's when things sort of started changing for us and uh, we started scaling up also a little bit in terms of our sales and 2016 december is when we started this and i earlier said 2017 april that was 2018 april so this is 20 so by 2018 november december this system started working very very well and in january this year we released the first complete range of indian indigenized model rockets fuel cartridges ignition systems and a propulsion test stand uh, just to mark that in terms of pure business the revenue that we earned over these last 8 months is more than the revenue that we did on in all of our years before this okay so let's talk like also more about the challenges in the process of establishing all of this right so when you talk about model rockets yeah um, and to be able to scale and build rockets yeah. and to for them to perform yeah it's the same way yeah what are the challenges so obviously there are a bunch of technical challenges that come in black powder is made out of very very uh, so one of the materials that we are using is charcoal which is a natural material uh since it's very very dependent on the crop it's a little different different in its terms of in its terms of properties every consignment and uh so what we have to do is that we have to sort of build a system which recognizes that is able to test that and is able to tweak fuel accordingly uh in real time apart from that minor structural errors in the curing of this propellant makes properties vary drastically so uh that is another sort of challenge that comes in which we had to put in a lot of brains in another challenge which was posed again by regulation is that uh we cannot have a commercial product so uh this is not applicable to defense products but we cannot have a commercial product which is a civil product which has black powder in contact with metal above 3 and a half or 4 grams i think is the limit so 3 and a half 4 grams works for bullets so anything beyond a bullet you cannot sort of do that as a commercial product and that so so we can't build fuel cartridges which have a casing which is strong so the material that we have to end up using is a variant of paper it is a paper at the end of the day it's called cellulose fiber sheet so we did this is a high bf sort of high strength paper and we roll it up into uh, tubes which are bonded with a phenolic resin so we developed all of these things from scratch where we found these materials now we are manufacturing at a very very odd scale neither are we lab level nor are we industrial level so what happens is that in a lab i can make 10 tubes if i go to an industry he will want an order of a minimum of 1 lakh tubes like 1 lakh tubes is a minimum order it's a small order for him about uh, average size order would be 7 or 8 lakh tubes i want an order of 15000 so <laughs> it doesn't fit and there are no vendors who sort of do stuff like this so i literally had to go into these vendor units uh, learn how these things are being done develop manufacturing systems which can suit my needs and uh, establish them and put them into place so the whole supply chain for us had to do- be done from scratch for each and every aspect like that this includes the casing for the fuel cartridge the fuel materials the raw materials of the fuel the raw materials of the nozzle the raw materials of the nozzle was a battle in itself for the longest time we found out this material that was u- in use as a as a strengthening uh, and drying agent in linings of sort of kilns and stuff so mm-hmm. industrial kilns they use it in lining and it is called something different in every language 
and the vendors and the sellers and the users know only that name they don't know what is the technical name of the material mm-hmm. so for us the longest time it was and it used to work in our application for almost 4 months we used to call it material x it was our chemical x just like powerpuff girls we literally had it written on our board because one of the major agendas was finding out that what is the technical name and how we can modify this material and uh, we were find like so things like that happen i mean now we know <laughs> it's a specific type of wax and uh, it has it doesn't look or feel like a wax it's it's a liquid wax by at room temperature itself and it can be heated to cure itself high protein so the things like that happen and uh, the rocket part of it is then easier uh, the rocket part of it was more of a cost challenge so when i when we started off the cost of building one model rocket in india from scratch uh, was approximately 9000 rupees uh, this includes the this includes the launcher and the ignition system but doesn't include fuel that was the cost for a general customer today we have already brought it down to about 1700 1800 rupees uh, including launcher fuel rocket everything so the rest of the rocket uh, except for the fuel cartridge is most much more of a cost challenge and that we as we scale up we'll obviously bring it down further and the idea over here is to make it accessible to as many people as possible a lot of people ask me how big are the rockets that rocketeers sort of it happened today in front of you aditya was there the first question that he had was how big is this rocket and how high does it go right and in people's mind bigger better higher better right in my mind no that's not how it works mm-hmm. in my mind i don't want to build 5 10 20 big rockets i want to build 100 million small ones yeah uh, or maybe a billion small ones mm-hmm. uh because that's what will make it accessible for every kid in the country and that's what will make science and technology and space science and technology exciting for them and uh, that's what will make them connect to learning technology more than anything else and this applies to a lot of other tech products with in stem education as well for example drones or planes or gliders you were discussing about glider competitions even robotics uh, but i feel that rocket rockets have a charm of their own and it's it's uh, it's it's a much lesser explored area than a, than most other things that we do especially when it comes to stuff like baha sai or gliders or planes these are things that we have already peak that boeing and airbus are building amazing passenger vehicles okay they may be facing difficulties right now in the moment because of the 73 uh, boeing 747 max but otherwise they've done very well over the last few years same thing happens for cars we have perfected refinement of cars a lot ev is changing the game and that way robotics is very interesting but a lot of these form factors that we have in these stem products tend not to be as exciting as the realities of the space whereas with rockets what happens is that they don't represent just rockets they represent space exploration as a whole and uh, that way space exploration is something which humanity has yet to sort of really get into yeah and uh, so that way they are i believe way more exciting and way more inspiring than most of these other tools that are disposed and we have some of the most intelligent kids out there in our country they are amazing people so we definitely need to show them the opportunities and possibilities that they can learn and they can do a lot more interesting things yeah absolutely and um, so when you started rocketeers you know during your time at iist and then rocketeers yeah. uh, from being an academic to like being uh, you know a commercial company yeah you talked a lot about regulations rules and yeah. so on 
did you have a sense of what were the rules and regulations back in IST uh, and you know did, or did you have a sense of it when you went to Rocketeers and you know because of the sense of regulations did the design change drastically what was your experience so I had no idea about the regulations in IST I knew for a fact that there are no regulations uh, which I still know and which has always held true throughout it all there are no regulations when it comes to rocketry but uh, if you want to look at it at a very core core level, uh, there are regulations centered around fuel uh, because fuel is an explosive sort of material and there is a department of explosives that regulates explosives. Uh, but there are no regulations around rocketry. Uh, so there is nothing talking about using this fuel for rocketry. What are the rules and regulations if I want to fly a rocket? Is, do I have to get a permission from someone or can I just fly it? Can I fly big rockets? Can I sm fly small ones? Where can I fly them? What are uh, the safety precautions that I need to take? Are there any specific restricted areas or are there any specific designated areas that I can fly at? Uh, none of these things exist in our country. And uh, initially I thought that, uh, so I, I found out about most of these things after I sort of started Rocketeers. Uh, this, this was the time that I was studying uh, to understand uh, what to do commercially and what we can and cannot do. More than this, the problem that I did not realize which really impacted us, say in about 2017-18 era, was the fact that I had uh, naively thought that I would be able to impact regulation without critical mass. Mm -hmm. uh, which was a which was something that I did not understand about regulation and that one of time which now is uh, forms a lot of impact on both product design and business strategy as well so because of that I used to try and affect a lot of regulation change I used to go and meet the regulators I used to talk to them I used to tell them about what we are doing what we aim to do and how we can create conducive regulation they all used to listen to my ideas. I wouldn't say that they were not receptive. Some of them were actually excited by them and they used to discuss them with me and they probably would have pa pushed paper whatever they could have pushed. Uh, and I met people from the highest levels to the lowest levels. Uh, I did not discriminate in terms of any regulator. I was like, fine, doesn't matter whether change can be impacted through that specific person or not. I will just go and educate him. And I held a lot of meetings in that uh, one and a half, two years with these uh, people. And I never really heard them tell me that they would want to ban rocketry or they would not want to regulate it. That was never the perspective. The perspective always tended to be that this was something that was not important on their table. Uh, they had a lot of things, each and every regulator, that they had to do as a part of their job, which were important, which were on priority. Either they impacted, it impacted. So if these were very high level bureaucrats, then they had stuff which was related to say agri or mining industry or petroleum industry. So they have, and these are impacting large group of companies, large number of people. So they have to look at that first before they start looking at just one startup doing something. Uh, so it has to be an industry play. Even with drones, drone regulation was impacted because there were a large number of companies who were doing a lot of things in different, different sectors from defense to civil to imaging to toys to whatever. Uh, and that's when sort of regulation happened. And if I met the low-level bureaucrats, they may not have a lot of stuff on their table to not be able to look at my proposal, but then they couldn't impact change. They were not in that position. That changed a lot of things for us because that's when we started really exploring on trying to create this critical mass and trying to keep the government involved in this. So 
uh, what that has led to is a lot of very very interesting things we have partnerships with niti ayog where we are doing uh, atal tinkering labs all of them have model rockets in them we are working with the government of telangana their uh, bc welfare residential schools now have model rocketry labs in them uh, we have been in lots of talks with dibp and invest india so uh, we've actually been awarded by them at gs as one of the top 80 indian startups uh, apart from that they call us to various re- regulation round tables to keep this topic of model rocketry in in and regulation in play uh we have managed to generate uh, some awareness about this in the political circles as well we've generated a couple of parliamentary questions we've kept isro in the loop so isro uh, last year when they were uh, this year actually uh, for the vikram sarabhai centenary they were do, they were planning some uh, educational programs so uh, at that time they had talked to us about how rocketry works and all i don't know what they're doing they've not really engaged with us but they gathered some information so even they have been getting educated about model rocketry and how it's happening in the country so that's how we're getting government involved and uh, we're getting awareness through i think that's what's important and uh, when there happens to be 5 lakh model rockets flying across the country i'm sure regulation will happen and we shall keep fighting for that critical mass uh that's the whole idea of rocketeers the vision is to create this rocketry ecosystem in the country when it comes to now you know what is the engagement like how are you spread uh, uh, how do you reach out to people the engagement uh, is in various different ways mm, i would say there are three primary things that we do one is that we set up rocketry and uh, rocket propulsion laboratories this is i would say rocketry for schools rocket propulsion for colleges with intends to be a little more centered towards propulsion the second thing that we do is that we do rocketry hardware sales so we have created a lot of rocketry hardware from model rockets diy kits components fuel cartridges ignitions and la- ignition launch systems test apparatus uh, and this is an expanding range so we're always coming out with sort of newer and improved versions uh, we are planning to do electronics based payloads uh, and buses very very soon so it will be like an instrumentation panel that students can attach their own sensors to we'll provide a data acquisition system with it as well so things like that uh, and we let anybody and everybody who wants to do that do that and their at their own way so what we do is that we provide training and curriculum for how to use the hardware but then what kind of experience people want to build around it sort of depends on them this is how most stem companies are using our uh, sort of equipment and uh, uh, i am very happy to say that i see very strong traction there in the sense that almost all our clients are recurring so once they get the hang of rocketry they understand that the 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 fascination part of it or the excitement part of it uh it really gets to them so i've had these companies who used to do robotics or who used to do planes or who used to do 3d printing and uh, they were uh, when we started talking to them and we told them about rockets they were fairly hesitant because of lack of regulation and how this will work we don't know rocket science can we teach this can we we will be able to build this will we be able to create any kind of educational experience out of it but once they start they keep coming back for more and uh, so that way it's been that's the second sort of major thing and that's what i think will really build the ecosystem because these are the people who take it to so many other places and who do do this in their own different ways and we have partners for this across the country popping up now and the third final thing that we do is sort of workshops training and consultancy where we have our own team coming in and teaching people and training them which is sort of the service segment of this whole industry so we try and keep that as minimum as possible because the idea is that for us is that we want to enable people to do rocketry on their own we don't want to spoon feed everything to everyone 
and from let's say the kids perspective or yeah. you know the the young people perspective yeah did you have already some stories of you know people oh yes oh some very very interesting ones so this one kid uh, that i know his name is rithik soni mm-hmm. uh, he is in a tier 2 tier 3 city in uh, up and he is currently say in 9th or 10th class and uh, he builds his own rockets and uh, he has done some very very interesting work he's uh, built sugar motors of his own and he keeps talking to us about building these new things and since he started building these rockets on his own he has now further taken this as a physics training activity across schools it around his sort of region which i find so interesting that he is himself on his own time on his own cost going to these schools and talking to these students about physics and about how it is interesting and flying these rockets in front of them and uh, uh, that's that's exactly what sort of is so inspiring about this whole thing another student that i know uh, his name is nabhan he's in bangalore he's also be doing some uh, super interesting stuff he's he's more inclined towards the payloads side of it so he's not flown many many rockets like krithik but uh, but then he has built a few and he basically concentrates on putting them interesting communication payloads in them he's developed his own sort of chip for short range communication at very high bit rates so uh, some interesting things and students get very very interesting ideas and uh, it's super exciting to see them sort of uh, start pursuing this as activity on their own once they do start getting opportunities and interestingly the very problems that these students faced uh, we've been sort of targeting exactly that for example Arithik used to say that I'm able to make the rocket and everything. I can even uh, sort of uh, make my fuel, but while after my fuel is cured, I don't have any sort of safety gear for handling it, uh, and I have no way to procure it. I don't have the right safe igniters. I build my own igniters, but they are very unsafe. They they may lead to a burst and an explosion rather than a series ignition for the core. uh we've been able to solve them so we've provided these students with safety gear we've provided them with uh, uh proper igniters and the interesting thing about these exciting students is that uh since they're so experimental and they're always trying out new things they can always even help us out with experiments that we want done so we try, try and support enthusiasts like this uh in terms of hardware costs we sort of bear it on our own and we sort of want them to go out and do these kind of things uh another very interesting example is anudeep anudeep has been doing rocketry for more than 6 7 years now and uh, with the r kits now he's sort of taking uh, rocketry to villages around his city near vijayawada okay so he has uh, he has done approximately 70 80 rocket flights in the last 2 months where he has gone to villages and in schools over there told students about rocketry flown rockets in front of them and shown them so when he used to build his own rocket he used to say that my cost is around 15000 16000 for run, one rocket and we are uh, uh, so first few we did for free but then now that he's scaling up we thought that we there's only so much we can do and he can charge the students a little bit so that way we try and keep it uh, at least these outreach activities try and keep as accessible as possible that's the idea but yeah super interesting and uh, now we now that it's becoming accessible for people and they we see a lot more traction as i told you uh, earlier also that this year we see a lot more traction because now it's suddenly much more visibly accessible something that they can buy into in that sense you are bridging a lot of gap that is left in the education system because our typical education system you know regardless of even in cities today i guess is very bookish uh, yeah. not much of hands on stuff and especially if 
educators themselves, teachers themselves are not trained in yeah. rocket science or rocketry or model rocketry. Mm. There's no way of them teaching that to their yeah, kids exactly at all. True. So you're filling a large gap there. So uh, I have been very presently surprised about, about this over the last two, three years because of two major factors. One is that the direction that we're moving it in, moving in is correct. We are now understanding at a very, very ground level like I can see this in schools in tier 2 cities villages in towns and in big cities in the rich schools most definitely it's quite prevalent where we have started understanding that uh, the bookish knowledge and the memory and the memory aspects of studies and how marks and mugging up used to be important when we were in school that's not really the thing that's important anymore and we need to start concentrating more on project-based learning or problem solving or giving the students an opportunity to basically think themselves uh, that that used to be the major problem on, on our education system where you know we were not allowed to think because we, we were supposed to do what we were told and that was it so that is changing that perspective is changing in the teachers and a lot of this has to do with a lot of uh, new things that have come up in terms of stem education so Atal tinkering labs has obviously been a game changer in terms of schools at understanding and appreciating this sort of uh, education system because th this is the first time government is sort of pushing it and telling them that okay now yes you are doing all these among up and you're doing this in a certain way but you need to at the same time sort of uh, teach the students to think on their own to tinker to innovate and to sort of look at problems and look at problem solving do critical thinking do creative thinking so that's that's one thing that's sort of happening and it's becoming more accepted in schools it may not be visible in terms of a lot of impact right now but i would it's it's a slow change but it's a change in the right direction so that makes me happy in, in, inherently that okay at least this is something good that's happening and as it grows i'm sure momentum will grow the second thing that really is is even more uh, sort of profound and impactful than this is that the new modern education tools that we are developing and I, I want to put screens out of play as much as possible. Screens are necessary beyond a certain point, obviously, because screens provide the world's information at a fingertip and that's not available without a screen. But keeping that aside, the tools that we have, the hands-on tools, the things like robotics equipment, the things like those drones and those gliders and say, for example, our model rockets or uh, 3D printers or anything and everything, they are becoming more and more intuitive. Uh, they are becoming tools and things which students use and can learn on their own without guidance. So that is profound because if you leave a bunch of students, if you leave a class of 30 students free to do whatever they want to in an utter tinkering lab, say for example, that lab has a bunch of things. A bunch of tools available these are all hands-on there is no board there is nobody teaching them and you tell the teacher just to go and sit and chill and you do this one hour every week for say a student group of students in 9 class 10 class level and the students will learn all of these things on their own um, uh, that, that might may not have been all that possible earlier because these tools were not as intuitive but now they are they are being designed with that in perspective they are being designed to teach students so now the pcbs or the electronic components kits that people design they are designed with intuitiveness in mind it tells the student that this is how you attach the sensor this is how the sensor works and so on same thing we do with our model rockets our model rockets are designed to be very intuitive so you will be if, if i give you a bunch of parts you will be able to build it uh, and you will be able to fly it so uh, that is also 
creating a lot of impact because it puts the teacher up out of play a little bit the teacher needs to obviously teach them about the physics and the theory of it or the science of it or or the terminology to say the least and that's where sort of screens also come into play but it really provides an opportunity for a lot of schools who may not have access to the right kind of teachers who may not be able to even have access to the right kind of training for their teachers and uh, this tends to be a major constraint uh, and this constraint we can sort of push beyond uh, even uh, without so it's not the conventional way to solve this problem but then it is solving this problem the current trajectory that you are on already right you have a lot of momentum going further you've created all this ecosystem coming together what do you think is the ecosystem like 10 years from now for model rocketry in india what is the kind of reach uh do you see more people participating oh i definitely see a lot more people participating uh we have barely scratched the surface so uh i see even 5 years from now i see more than 1000 rocketry labs across the country i see so let's talk, forget about just pure numbers but i see a spread out of the activity so right now it's sort of concentrated in pockets and silos it will become more ubiquitous uh, we will have designated flying zones secondly we will make it uh, we will see a lot more activity in terms of competitions in terms of this driving human resource creation uh, which will feed the space industry so this we already see happening in other sectors or in our country for example if you look at the automotive sector we have a very good highly evolved automotive sector with big names like tata motors mahindra ashok leyland bajaj uh, maruti all these people employ thousands and thousands of people and don't even get me started on the ancillaries after that uh, it's it's a it's a massive impact economic impact now if you go into the human resource of these companies and you talk to people especially the engineers across the board you will see that more than 60 70% of these engineers had participated in sae or related events and competitions in their time in college and that's what sort of connected them to the industry and that's what sort of built the, that was the first stepping stone of sort of building the skill set that is necessary for growing in this sector and we will see that exact same happening for the space industry so uh, space industry is a little more multifaceted than the automotive industry where we have rockets as one thing and satellites uh, as another and then the application side of it as a completely separate segment so uh, and the skill sets required in three are very very different but if there is one thing that is true it is the fact that rocketry is what is the glamorous aspect of space industry it's what gets people interested it's what sells the story of space technology the the fact that we can communicate using satellites and we can have a very very uh, high resolution pics of all of our uh, earth or we can watch the stars better or all of these things uh, is not what sells the story of space or space technology what sells the story of space and space technology is exploration and that is always connected with rockets the bigger the better the rockets the more the exploration that's that's always been our constraint and that's what sells the story and that way if we keep that part missing from the ecosystem we will never be able to create the human resource pool necessary because we will not have large number of people 
interested or inspired enough to participate and i feel that is what rocketry will be doing 10 years from now and the students who we are connecting to now are going to be the people who will be driving this change and who will be showing the space industry at that point of time that yes we did rocketry when we were children and that is when now we are building satellites now we are building space habitats now we are building robots which will go and mine asteroids and now we are taking our humanist values to other planets and moons and doing all of these interesting and dynamic things 10 15 20 years from now so we have to capture and inspire them young and that's what rocketry will be doing 10 years from now right now it's just sort of scratch the surface it's just beginning my last question to you is how can i buy one of your rockets oh you can <laughs> uh, you can visit our website directly uh, www.rocketeers.in and uh, we have all our rockets all our components all our systems everything available online directly and as i already i think i treated what all we provide so uh, and you can reach out to us directly on our website if you have any further queries if you want to do something else we are always looking to explore trying to do new things with this uh, since this ecosystem is so raw in the country we have lots of interesting new things that people come up with and uh, do uh, with this for example there are team building corporate workshops that now happen around rocketry which is which which was a shock to me as well but yes there are 50 year olds who want to build these rockets and connect with their young children and uh, so some things like that happening and obviously the learning and education side happening uh, enthusiasts are a game of their own so all of these people are also sort of getting a platform to connect on our website where we have a public uh, open blog so we have all of these ecosystem players coming in and contributing their experiences so you can read about these stories on our blog and you can get to think about what kind of ideas people have about rocketry in the country and uh, give us feedback Devianshu thank you very much for taking time for doing this thank you Narayan it was lot of fun it's always nice coming and meeting space friends again uh, they are the ones who inspire me to do this thank you for staying until the end if you have any comments or suggestions please write to curator@newspaceindia.com please consider sharing this episode with any friends or family who may be interested in learning about india's space activities if you would like to stay in touch with the new space india community please use the link in the description to join the new space india telegram group feel free to also suggest guests for any future episodes a new episode of the new space india podcast is released every other friday do subscribe to the podcast using apple google or any other podcasting platforms you may use thank you